there. A lot of ugliness going on. Come on, somebody. And, uh, you know, we have to live in it. Amen. We're not of it, but we do live in it. Come on, somebody. And so as long as you can be equipped and as long as your kids can be equipped, amen, they can do it and live it and live it right. Come on, somebody. Even in the midst of a crooked, perverse generation. Are you still hearing me? Look at your neighbor and say, praise ye the Lord. Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. Praise the Lord. Any receivers today? All right. Praise God. Amen. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians today. 2 Corinthians. Praise the Lord. And I'm going to go to chapter 11, please. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And uh, God is good. All right. We're going to go to verse... Now, in context, um, um, talking to them about, you know, what's, you know, and, and really in the context, he's even talking about no limits in, in a lot of ways. Um, but verse 3 says, kind of coming in the middle of a statement, he says, But I fear uh, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve, how I many are you still doing that? He's still deceiving. The serpent, come on. The evil one, the enemy. Lest somehow as, in other words, he's trying to bring a, um, a parallel here, so to speak, or a comparison. Maybe that's not even the right word. Um, trying to show you that the same thing that the enemy has done from the beginning is what he's still doing today. Okay? And so this is, this is the context. He says, uh, or this is what he says, is as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, obviously, you know, uh, you know where, where the warfare happens is in our minds. That's where he comes. Come on, somebody. Tries to, you know, you don't have authority or dominion over you. Amen. As long as you stand your ground, don't give him any authority. But he always comes after your mind. In fact, in chapter 10, you know, he talks about taking every thought captive, and he basically brings out that whole text there, amen, that the warfare is in the mind. The enemy tries to set up, set up shop, set up camp. Come on, somebody. He likes, to, he likes to permanently set himself a place, amen, called a stronghold in your mind. Come on, so in other words, a way of thinking about things. Because that's where the warfare is. All right? Chapter uh, 2, he talks about that we're not to be ignorant of his devices. And that word devices literally means head games. You know, mental, mental attack or head games. Uh, you know, just somehow he's trying to attack you mentally. To somehow deceive you. To pull you under. I don't say all that to to give Him any glory by any means, but I think if we're not you know, aware of what, how it happens, what happens is you go along in life and you get mowed over, you go on in life and you get taken advantage of, you go uh, on in life and, and instead of receiving and walking in all that's for you, we walk in a place of maybe confusion or ignorance or some kind of, of uh, deception. In fact, that uh, one of those words means deceptive reasoning. 
And so because of that kind of stuff, he keeps us contained. He keeps us locked down. He keeps us limited. Are you hearing me? Now it says here, uh, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Everybody say simplicity. That's kind of a key word. Um, the word simplicity just means something that's uncomplicated. It uses synonyms like singleness, which really referring to maybe something more straightforward. Amen. There's no, there's no you know, gray area. It's pretty simple. Come on, somebody. It's not, you know, you know you're not standing back and going, I wonder, hmm. You, it, you know, it makes it pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Amen. There's simplicity in Christ. It also uses a word uh, for a synonym, also uses sincerity. But it's using it in the sense of, uh, you know, uh, no masquerading. I mean, no, Jesus didn't masquerade anything. Didn't have to. God didn't masquerade anything. Now, there are, there's mysteries that have been offered, but the mysteries haven't been, you know, they're not there to be hidden from you. They're there to be hidden for you. And all He asks is just seek them out and go after it. And then once you find it, receive it and walk in it. But nothing's been masqueraded. Amen. Now, the life that we're called to is really, to be honest, is this life in God is a, is, is a life that's simple. Are you hearing me? Now, some may say, well, well, about the Bible said that, you know, this walk is difficult. Well, well, I'll tell you what, put the Matthew's account up there. I think I put Matthew 7 and 13 and 14. It says this, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. I mean, all that to be true. Verse 14, but because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Amen. Now, that's the way we're called to go. Now, the word difficult here, I wish they would have never put that in there because that is not what it means. Not by how we know the word difficult. The word means confined because it is confined. In other words, there's a way that works. Are you with me? There's a way that works. And if you follow the way, it's not a hard life. It's actually simple. Are you with me? Now, the enemy knows that. So what the enemy tries to do is to come in and complicate it. Are you with me? He tries to complicate it. Let's look back at that 2 Corinthians 11, and verse 3 again. It says this. So... As the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. Now that word craftiness, uh, it, it means uh, sophistry, okay, which uh, where we get our word sophistication, okay. And the word sophistication means uh, that which is complex or complicated. We think, I'm just being sophisticated. No, you're being complex. Hello. Come on, somebody. Okay, I'll leave that one alone. That went over just like... So, fistery, okay? It means false or deceptive reasoning. It means also hair splitting. So, the enemy 
tries to deceive, amen, and corrupt our minds through a thing called craftiness. It happens all the time. We even see it in our uh, society today. You know, you have people that are trying to stand up and do something that's right and do something that's good. And, and then you got somebody comes along and they try to, you know, level them with some hair-splitting, stupid... Okay, I'm getting on my soapbox. I better watch that. Huh? And what we're trying to do is, is just, you know, get, get everything off onto some topic or some subject that has no bearing on anything. It's called hair-splitting. That's what the enemy does. The whole time... The things of God are simple. They're not complicated. They're confined, but they're not complicated. And so what the enemy tries to do is through false and deceptive reasoning, tries to get you off on something and somehow or another makes it complicated once again when it should have been a simple thing for you to receive. And yet now we have a half a dozen reasons why it can't happen. And so we just muddied the waters. And the whole time it was a simple thing. Put Genesis 3, and let's look at this, because he said, you know, he's using the illustration here of how Eve was deceived. Uh, you know, and the same way she was deceived is the same way, you know, he, he still does. It's nothing new under the sun. Verse 1 of Genesis 3 says this, As now the serpent was more cunning. <laughs> That's cunning. Hello. That's exactly right. He was cunning. Than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of, the, of every tree of the garden? You notice how he said that? In fact, let's, let's put, we'll come back to that text. Let's put chapter 2 um, and put verse 15. Here's what the Lord actually said. Let's just look at it. Now this is all... Necessary because you know why? Because this is how the enemy works. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. All right, the word tend means to cultivate, to take care of it, to groom things, probably to prune things, all that kind of to, to tend to it and to keep it. The word keep it means to protect over it. To watch it. Hello? So man was put in the garden to take care of it and to tend to it. To protect it and to cultivate. Come on. He didn't put, God, put the man in the garden to do nothing. The man still had something to do. He had purpose. He had something to do. He had purpose. He had something to do. He had purpose. Because when you don't have nothing to do is when you get in trouble. When you don't have purpose, that's when you get in trouble. That's when now you're an easy target. Verse uh, 16. And the Lord commanded. You notice it wasn't just a, a healthy suggestion. You know, this, you know, if you think about it, Adam, you know, maybe it wouldn't hurt for you to, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, maybe, you know, possibly. No, he commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden, you may eat freely. 
Verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. That word die literally means decay. In other words, it starts the death process. And by the way, just another sermon, but they've been eating from that tree ever since. Anyway, moving right along. Now, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he says, you shall not eat of it. Do you notice, though, he, still, he was still supposed to tend it? He's still supposed to protect it? That didn't change. He just says, I don't want you to eat from it. Are we all, all hearing this and seeing it? Well, it's necessary because this is how the enemy gets in. Okay, let's go back to chapter 3, verse 1. The enemy was, the, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? That's really not how he said it. Hmm. Verse 2, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, verse 3, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Do you remember anything about being said about don't touch it? Now you start thinking, well, pastor, what, what does that have to do with, with yeah, I mean, maybe your hair splitting? No. Here's the deal. First off, he was supposed to still tend it, which means you cultivate, which means you prune. Come on, somebody. You watch over it. Now, I believe, you know, you can have your own deal. I believe with all my heart that what happened was when Adam was told, everybody say Adam. Adam was told what he was told by God, what he did, what he should do and not do. Later on, you know, Eve comes into the picture, and now Eve is telling the serpent, and you think, why is the serpent talking to Eve? And we know if you kind of read on a little further here, Adam was right there. But the scripture makes it clear that Eve was deceived. Why? Well, I, I'm pretty sure, you know, when, you know, Adam's talking to her about taking care of the garden, you know, he starts going through everything about, you know, this is what we do. Uh, we tend and we keep it and we, we can eat from everything. We just can't eat from this one. And I think, here come a question. Huh? How come? Well, we're just, we're, God says, you know, we're, we're just not supposed to eat from this tree here. Well, why? Do you think that was a doubt and unbelief question? I'd say no. I think it's a valid question. I just think what it come down to is Adam didn't know how to answer it. So I think what Adam said is, listen. Woman, stop asking me questions. I don't have a clue. Here's the deal. All right? Just don't go near it. Don't eat from it. And don't even touch it. 
So, well, no, God says we can eat from everything except not eat that and not touch it lest we die. No, I don't think God said that. I think Adam said that. You can get your own theory. All I know is the Word says Eve was deceived. And the reason deception was an open door here for, for the enemy to come in is because she didn't really know the whole truth. So part of the problem that happens where the enemy can get in is not just in deceptive reasoning, but sometimes it's in our ignorance. Sometimes it's in the confusion of things. God's not opposed to people asking questions. Mary, you highly favored one. You're going to give birth to a son. How, how, how's that going to happen? I mean, I don't even, I haven't even slept with the guy. I mean, I, I mean, how, how am I going to, and you know, God didn't say, woman. He started explaining it to her. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. The power of God's going to be released. There we go. And it takes over from there. And so there's nothing wrong with a question being asked. Now, earlier in you know, Luke 1 there, we see where Zechariah asked good questions. Zechariah wasn't asking questions because he had a legitimate question. That Zechariah was in doubt and unbelief. I'm an old man. What do you mean? Me and my wife are going to have a kid. And the angel of the Lord looked at him and says, you're going to mess this up sure as I No more talking for you. You notice how he dealt with his mouth? I mean, there's a whole other sermon right there. You know, sometimes I like to pray that over people myself. Because huh? you're going to mess it up. Huh? Well, anyway... So I believe the woman had legitimate questions, and Adam didn't know what to do with it. So Adam just says, listen, uh, just, just don't eat from it and don't touch it. Just stay away from that tree, please. Let me handle that one. Okay? Verse 4, Genesis 3 and 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Now, that shouldn't even have been... A, that thing right there ought to have been shut down, lickety-split. I mean... Adam should have stepped up, hooked that sucker by the neck, rang it a few times, knocked him on the ground, kicked him out, and said, get, permanently. Are you hearing me? He didn't do it. So he says, well, if Adam was deceived, what was, or probably if Eve was deceived, what was Adam? Infactuated. Men make stupid decisions when they get infatuated. Do I need to explain? We start thinking wrong. Well, you know, that woman, mercy. Hmm. She's reaching up, you know, hearing all this going on, reaching up for fruit, and he's all he can do is just think, dang. She's gorgeous. Somebody said, Pastor, listen, don't be deceived. Remember, the same way 
Eve, amen, fell the same way even Adam fell. It's the same thing that goes on from the garden up till now. The same stuff happens. Are you hearing me? Same stuff. Don't be deceived. And the whole time is trying to steer you away, corrupt your mind from the simplicity that's in Christ. You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. First off, that's deception all the way. Secondly, not only is he uh, muddying the waters and complicating the simplicity that God said, the other thing is we see here is their identity is being attacked because they're already like God. But he had an inroad because she didn't know. She didn't really know. She had an idea. She had a glimpse of it. She had a piece of it. And I think about the body of Christ as a whole right here. We have a piece of it. We take this bit, we might not take it all, but we take this because, yeah, okay. And the whole time, missing a piece, and now we're vulnerable. We're vulnerable for deception. We're vulnerable for confusion. We're operating under some ignorance. And all three areas are areas the Word warns you about where the enemy gets in. And once he's in, listen, you know as well as I do, when he, you leave him in the, or let him in the back seat, it ain't long he's driving. You let him in the house thinking, we'll just let him stay in the guest room. Now he's, now he's moved you out of the, of the master suite. Come on, somebody. Taking over. Calling the shots now in the home. Calling the shots concerning what you do, what you don't do, how you do this, how you do that. That's how he operates. And it's the same reasons. You didn't know. You had a piece, but you didn't know the whole thing. You didn't, you, you lost sight of how simple this was. And here, not only is the simplicity of, the, of, of what he had asked them to do, not only did that get lost, but they're not even realizing who they are. They've lost their identity. It is no different than what happens to us. No different. Same thing. This is simple. Uh, you can eat from all the trees except this one. Now, I don't know how many trees were in there, but let's say there was 10. That's a little garden. And we know there's probably a whole lot more in that, but the bottom line is we could say 100. Maybe it'll make it sound better. 100. Maybe 1,000. We'll stick with a hundred. A hundred trees. You can eat of all of them. Except this one tree. Just don't eat from it. Is there anything complicated about that? Is there anything complicated about that instruction? So what did the enemy do? The enemy snuck in and muddied the waters. And it all because of a woman that didn't quite know. She had a piece of it. She understood part of it, but didn't get all of it. It, it made an open door. And a man standing behind her 
Come on, because he was right there, infatuated, not standing his ground, not walking in dominion, not walking in authority. Listen, I'm just going to throw this out here. There is no such thing as a Jezebel without an Ahab. If, there's an, if, if you want to be an Ahab, you open the door for Jezebel. And I, it really goes beyond just male-female thing. But, are you still with me? So Adam didn't stand his ground, do what he was supposed to do. Come on. And as a result of it, he sneaks in, and we have now the fall. And it creates a whole gamut of things that goes on. And the enemy is still operating under those same guidelines. He wants to keep you ignorant. He wants to keep you confused. Are you still with me? He wants to somehow corrupt your mind concerning the simplicity that's in Christ. Now you say, Pastor, what is all this about? Because you have the fullness of the blessing to grab hold of. You have a miracle. You have a sign. You have wonders. You have things. You have breakthroughs that are ready for you, things to happen for you. But if somehow or another you cannot uh, connect your faith with it because of confusion or ignorance or deceptive reasoning, you've shut her down. Everything gets muddied. Everything gets complicated. And now what was so simple has now become a complicated thing. Are you still with me? Um, you know, it's funny how it works. You know, I think about this, maybe just a little rabbit trail on this, but okay, um, how the enemy works, okay? Um, of uh, these, let's say again, back to the hundred trees, a hundred trees you can eat from. This one tree, don't eat from it. And somehow the enemy gets you to focus on that one. Yeah. They start letting you, well, you're missing out. You can eat from a hundred other trees. Yeah, but that's the tree I want to eat from. Really? Well, I'm missing out. How would the enemy do? Convinced her. You're missing out. There is something going to happen when you eat that. So we start thinking, think about this in our minds. Okay, we, instead of focusing on all the good that's going on, we focus on that one thing that ain't going right. Man, my life stinks. Why? Because of that one thing. No, your life don't stink. It's a good day. It's a good thing. You, you got good things going on? Let's not focus on the one ugly tree over there. Come on, somebody. You have, we, we can get going along, and because one thing didn't happen the way we thought it should happen. And yet, you had 99 other things that manifested right. It's all based. What's he doing? Let's see if we can't muddy the waters. Let's see if we can't, amen, come in there and corrupt, amen, your way of thinking. Are you still with me? That's how he works. Um, go with me to, uh, let's look at a couple things here. Uh, go with me to Psalms 34. Psalms 34 and verse 8. 
Let's just, let's just look at this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, most of the time. I mean, most of the time. I mean, there's, there's probably those few moments, right? God isn't really good. I mean, sometimes when, woo, sometimes God like, woo, you know, mm, yeah. nobody knows, you know, who nobody knows. You know, because sometimes, you know, we, you know, there's that, you know, there's a time once in a while, you know, I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, God, if he's, you know, if God's mad, you know, if God's mad, you know, I mean, he's probably not good then. I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> nobody knows the wrath of God. No, I think it's pretty simple. I, I don't think there's anything confusing about it. Uh, taste and see. In other words, you should be able to perceive and experience, that means, perceive and experience all the time, what, that God, what, or the Lord here, the Lord is good. There ain't no question about it. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. Who? That good God. Well, you know, what if, what, 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 what? Well, you never, what if, well, could, maybe. Guard yourself, lest He come in and deceive and corrupt your way of thinking from the simplicity that's in Christ. God is good. And the quicker you get that revelation, the better life gets. God is good. I mean, let's look at a couple because, amen, let's, let's look at uh, what I give you for the next one here. My uh, John 10. Okay, here we go. Jesus talking. The thief does not come except to steal to kill and to destroy. Who does? I thought Jesus does that once in a while. Well, you just never know. I mean, you know, all that stuff going on. I'm sure it was God that did that. No, no, it's a thief comes. How many know you have an enemy? How many know you have a thief that tries to take? Huh? But a lot of times, you know, God gets blamed for these things. But I don't think God's the one that comes to steal or to kill or to destroy. Who does? The, the thief does. What did Jesus come to do? I've come, come on, I've come that they may have life, okay, Zoe life, and that they may have it more abundant. In fact, we don't just want you to just think it's someday, you know, you get to go to heaven. I mean, we want you to have abundant life, man. I mean, there's a life to enjoy in God. So Jesus says, I came that you can have abundant life. Well, now, wait a minute. We don't want to go as far as to say, you know, that God's always looking to give you an abundant life. What, did, what just happened? You got corrupted. Now you've muddied the waters and the, God's trying to do something. Let me have, let me ask this earlier. Anybody in here expecting anything good. Yeah. Amen. So if you're going to expect anything good, you can't let the waters get muddied because you can't anchor your faith to a question mark. You can't anchor your faith to a maybe. You can't anchor your faith to, well, sometimes because if it's sometimes, how do you know if this is one of the times? Because you can't anchor your faith to it. 
So God is good all the time. The devil <laughs> is bad all the time. Hey, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Not God. Well, I thought it was an act of God that killed all them people. Says the world. Says your insurance company. Not the Bible. Well, there were times, listen, he let it be known. You, you walk out from under the, the hoopah, you walk out from under the blessing, you're open game. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. And even in the verses that you look at, and it looks like God's read into it, when you look at it in Hebrew, it doesn't even come close. God, for some reason, we just want to blame God for everything. Because it appeases our conscience. And the whole time, God had something good for you. But you couldn't attach to it because you're afraid if I attach to it, I might get let down. No, you're supposed to have high expectation. He's the God of hope. He's the God of hope. He's the God of hope. Amen. He's got plenty of it, and He wants you to abound in hope. Praise God. Well, let's try another one, see if it goes over any better. Put Acts 10 up there. Okay. This here talking about Jesus is how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about, huh? He went about, huh? Doing good. And healing all who are oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So, okay, so in this verse, we can figure this out. Listen, are you with me? We know that God's good, devil bad. God good, devil bad. Devil did this, God comes along to reverse it, to restore it. Come on, somebody. Devil bad, God good. God good, devil bad. God, good, devil, bad, bad, devil, good God. Anybody else need another refresher course on that? Give me the next one on that same text. Hebrews 13 and 10. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The one that constantly made everybody sick, beat the snot out of everybody he could, was as mean as second skimmings. Oh, wait a minute. That wasn't Jesus. What was Jesus doing? God is what? Good. Devil. Bad. God. Good. Devil. Bad. Devil. Bad. God. Good. So Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't remember Jesus ever making anybody sick, ever killing anybody. Huh? The only time you ever see him got his dander up was when he went in to turn over the money changers' tables because of the fact that they were in there selling sacrificial animals. Hello, somebody. Animals for sacrifice, I should say. Amen. And it was a wrong thing. This is a house of prayer. You made it a den of thieves. But when it came time to people, he's healing, he's delivering, he's setting captives free. Hallelujah! Give me another one. Luke 9, 56. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. 
And then they went to another village. The whole thing in context, the boys, amen, were walking. They were all walking. The whole posse's walking through town. Everybody turned their nose up at him. They got mad, thought, who do they think they are doing this to Jesus? They get over to the other side. They said to Jesus, Jesus, call fire down on that city. <laughs> get them. Sick them. And Jesus stops and looks at him. You don't even know what spirit you're of. Well, wait a minute. I thought, you don't even know what spirit you're of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy lives. He came to deliver them, to heal them, to help them, to save them. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. One more time. God, Good. devil, Bad. devil, Bad. God. Good. You got to get quick at it. Why? Because, listen, because here he comes. And if you don't cast down that thought, when all of a sudden, oh, God, maybe he's just mad at me. <gasps> what just happened? Corruptness. Your, your thoughts just got polluted. Get rid of it quick, fast, throw it down, cast it down. Why? Because if you, would, you can't attach faith to that kind of mess. And so the whole time, God's wanting to deliver. God's wanting to set you free. God's wanting to heal. God's wanting to do this. And you're over here going, well, I just don't know. So what happens is you can't attach faith to that. Still with me? Let's look at another one. What do we got here? Isaiah 5 and 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So stop calling what's good evil or calling what's evil good. I always tell our inmates, okay, um, you know, they always have a certain way of thinking. And, and I said, who put you in prison? A lot of times they want to go, God put me in prison. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> Wrong answer. God didn't put you in prison. The court system put you in prison because of a dumb mistake you made. Well, God, if I wouldn't have come to prison, you mean to tell me you don't think God was trying to talk to you on the outside? That God can only talk to you on the inside? See, that's, see what happened? There's, there's something corrupt. There's something polluted. So that you think that the only time God can, can talk to you is through things like this, putting you in prison. Or other ugly things. What you've just done, now you've attached yourself to something you don't want to attach to. No, you're in here because of a decision you made. Now, of course, there might be a little debate on that. They might say, well, I was framed. I don't want to hear it. You're in here because of a decision you made. If anything, you made a decision to hang out with the wrong people. Whatever. But because of the decision you made, it puts you through a court system, and that court system made a decision about the next few years of your life. And in the midst of that, you opened yourself up, and some preacher man came in the door and said, Hey, you need Jesus. And you went, Hallelujah, yes I do.
Well, you just finally opened up. You just finally positioned yourself to receive. Now, praise the Lord that when you got into prison, you opened up your heart and let Jesus in. Because not everybody even does that. Hello, somebody. But God was trying to talk to you on the outside. All right, how about this? Uh, let's try another one. Let's go to Luke 1. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Well, you know, not everything. I mean, come on. I mean, with God, nothing will be impossible. Well, Pastor, you just don't know, okay, what I'm dealing with. <laughs> See, there's this, there's this group of people, and they've been a burr under my saddle. And because of that, God can't do anything. So you're saying that with God, some things really are impossible. Now, we all know the religious answer here. Because I don't think anybody's going to say, yeah, yeah, you're right. I believe that. No, nobody here is going to say, all of you are going to say, no, with God, nothing is impossible. But then think about how many times the enemy tries to come and corrupt your way of thinking to think that somehow or another God can't do something here. That God, you know, uh, just, there's just no way God could, could work in this situation because of this or because of that or because of this. No, God can. All you got to do is give Him place. I said all you can do is give Him place. Are you still with me today or did I run you all off? See, the enemy comes in and tries to corrupt our way of thinking. Tries to deceive our minds through craftiness to somehow make it seem somewhat religious. Anybody hearing me? Well, it sounds religious. I don't want something that just sounds religious because I can't, I can't attach my faith to something that just sounds religious. I want answers. I want breakthroughs. I want miracles, signs and wonders. I want things restored, things turned around, things made like they should. So in order for that to happen, I've got to, amen, know that that can happen. And I can't let some lie in that tries to muddy that up or corrupt that or taint that, another word that means. Let's give me another one. Give me another one on this one. Let's look at this one. Okay, Jesus talking to the father who had the epileptic son. The epileptic son goes into another seizure right in front of, uh, uh, in front of Jesus. And the father is, is answering Jesus' questions at the time and and Jesus said, you know, how long has this been happening? And so he explains all that. And, uh, but the, then the father made a statement. He said, listen, if you can do anything, heal my son. You know. Well, Jesus said, you know, the question's not whether I can or can't. It's about whether you can, you know, you can believe this or not. See, if you can believe 
Is there anything complicated about that, really? I mean, in itself, when you stop and you think about believing, the only thing that could ever be complicated in that is by what other stuff we let in to muddy it up. Now we've just complicated it and made it seem hard. Because in itself, believing isn't hard. Everybody has the potential to believe like you're supposed to believe. Stop and think about the certain things you do believe. If I come up to you and I said, Rick, your name is no longer Rick. I'm going to call you Bob. From now on, your name's Bob. Now, I'm not saying an Abraham thing. I just want you to just, okay. This is Pastor Jerry talking to Rick Young. Amen. And now I'm going to decide I'm going to call him Bob. He'd go, uh, at least I'd hope, he would go, my name ain't Bob. My name's Rick. I, I, yeah, but we're going we're gonna to change it to Bob. My name's Rick. Now, no matter what I say, he believes that his name is Rick. So, Rick, is that real complicated to believe that your name's Rick? Huh, Rick? How about you, Bob? I'm just saying, see, there, see, believing really isn't hard. It's when something we allow something else in there that muddies it, that corrupts it, that taints it. And now all of a sudden, it's, all of a sudden it just got difficult. It just got, it just got hard now. And so then it's hard to attach your faith to something that you got a question mark in or you're, somehow you're warring with it when all along it was a simple thing. Take up your bed and walk. There's nothing complicated about that. But if he sits there and goes, I can't. Now he started to go down that road. And Jesus wouldn't let him. So he just says, take up your bed and walk. There was nothing complicated about that. The only thing that gets complicated is when you let something else in there, some other deceptive thought, deceptive reasoning to shut it down. And you're going to find that the more you meditate on this, the more you're going to find that's usually the main problem of not receiving. God's trying to do the impossible. God's trying to do things in your life, amen, that'll blow the doors off anything you've ever been around. God's trying to deliver. God's trying uh, to, uh, to restore things. Amen. Even in grace, we just got off a series of grace, and in grace in itself, a divine influence. God is divinely trying to influence you, empower you, and until you get in there and just muddy it up, it's a simple thing. So he says, if you can believe, certain things are possible to him who believes. I'm sorry, what? Because I'm, I'm not trying to mess with you. I'm trying to, I mean, you'd be amazed at how we allow, if, if you can believe. Listen, Dad, I know what your boy's been through. I know all the stuff you've been through. We obviously have been down that road. We see it. We understand it. Okay, you, you brought your boy to the disciples and it didn't quite manifest. But listen, listen, if, if you, I'm putting it on you, if you will believe, guess what? 
All things are possible. Well, pastor, come on. What happened? Somebody says, well, pastor, what, wait, 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 what if you just said, you know, you know, I don't, I, I know I don't have it all kind of working in here right now. I know I'm kind of like, uh, I see what you're saying, but I'm, I'm kind of, uh, you know, it's just not all clicking yet. How about if you just did this? What if you just said, Lord, don't understand all of it. All I know is if I can believe, all things are possible to, those, to the person that believes. So I choose to be a believer and not a doubter. Thank you very much. So I attach myself to you in belief. I don't have to know all the ins and outs. I don't have to know how he does it. I don't have to know anything else. I don't have to sit here and go, well, now, what? you think maybe, maybe if, the, uh, maybe if the pastor does a certain kind of uh, altar call, or maybe if, if God, uh, you call me, uh, by somebody's going to call me in a certain, you start putting all that. I don't need to know all that. don't need to know any of that. All I got to do is believe. It just says, seize what's been offered. I seize it. Thank you very much. What are you doing? I'm seizing. Seizing what? What's been offered? What's been offered? Healing. What's been offered? Breakthrough. What's been offered? Prosperity. What's been offered? Freedom. What's been offered? Salvation. What's been offered? Peace. What's been offered? Joy. I don't need to know anything else. I just take it. Okay, I receive it. Thank you. Somebody says, now, oh, no, I receive it. Thank you. Why do you think it's such a fight? To take every thought captive. Because here it comes. Now, now, here you go. Pastor's putting all her. <laughs> Give me another one. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. The God of all flesh. Sometimes those fleshy people out there are stinkers. Listen, in context, that's exactly what was being said. Because Jeremiah is trying to stand in front of the people saying, this is what he says, there's nothing too hard for God. And then uh, later in the chapter then, he has a conversation with God. And he's trying to boo-hoo to God about all these people. A bunch of Stinkers. Their ornery is all get out. They don't listen. They don't receive anything. I try to talk to them and they ignore me. And God goes, uh, excuse me. Uh, behold, take a look. I am God. The God of all flesh. Here we go. Is there anything too hard for me? He used his words. Is there anything too hard? Thank you for all that enthusiasm. Is there anything too hard? Well, well, Pastor, there's all kinds of variables. Man, you don't think God don't know that? I think God knows probably of a few more variables than what even you know. He knows every person involved in the situation. He knows every circumstance. He knows your thoughts, their thoughts. He knows what's in your heart and in their heart. He knows where you're at and where they're at. And yet he says, I'm the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? So why would I want to attach myself 
to all the other variables that could mess it all up when he says there's nothing too hard for him. So I would rather attach myself to there is nothing too hard for him. Huh. You mean God can do anything? God can do all things? You mean nothing's too hard? Nothing's impossible? Absolutely. So the next time the thought comes, I just don't know how God's going to do that. Or I just don't know how this is ever going to turn around. Or I just don't know how that's going to get any better. Or I just don't know how this thing's going to manifest or how it's going to come to pass. I just don't know how he's going to provide that. I just don't know how he's going to, you know, how he's actually, how he's going to heal this. Or, or You don't need to know any of those things, and you don't need to attach yourself to any of those things. All you know is with God, there's nothing impossible. Scripture, I didn't show this one today, but the, the verse says that there's nothing impossible to those who believe. Right? Come on. And, hallelujah, nothing too hard for God. So, okay, so what I'm going to do is attach myself to there's nothing too hard for God. So here comes a thought. Let's go back to this one real quick. God. Uh, I think. Let's try that again. God. Devil. Is there anything too hard for God? Is there anything impossible for God to do? So when the thought comes, well, what's happening? What's happening? The enemy is playing, you know, speed bag with your your head, right? Or maybe for some people, it might be, you know, the punching bag. I like the other one better. What are you going to do? You're going to sit there and allow deceptive reasoning take away what God's trying to do for you? Or are you going to say, you know what? Nothing's impossible with God. All things, praise God, are possible with Him. Praise God. And all things are possible with those who believe. I'm a believer. Praise God. Nothing's too hard for God. Hallelujah. God is good. Devil bad. Hallelujah. Well, that's what you're going to have to attach to. So you've got to be quick to cast down that vain thought. Amen. And the Word says, amen, that when your obedience has been fulfilled, you've got to be ready, amen, to avenge. You've got to be ready that every time, even though you made a decision, I'm going to believe God, amen, you made a decision to do the right thing and to believe the right thing and to speak the right thing. But when that thought comes, here it comes, you've got to be willing to say, hey, wait a minute, you trying to sneak in here, come here. How dare you think you're going to take up residence in my head? Now, you all think I'm just being, you know, a little overdramatic. Read that in 2 Corinthians 10. There is no, I didn't even begin to show you how dramatic you have to be. Huh? About thoughts. Literally means to lower with violence. Amen. And you got to be ready to get on it. And stay on it. Why? Because the enemy, just like he deceived Eve, 
is looking to deceive you and to steer you away from what God's trying to do, what God wants to do. And you got to be quick to get on it. you got to settle it. Amen. God is good. The devil is bad. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above, from down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation nor shadow of turning. God is so good. God, amen, hallelujah, is good all the time. God heals. God delivers. God sets the captives free. Nothing is impossible with God. Amen. Hallelujah. God, hallelujah, nothing is too hard for God. Hallelujah. Those are the things you attach to. Don't let the deceptive one come in through some kind of reasoning and cut off your faith at the knees. Amen. Keep your faith attached. Keep it anchored. Amen. You may not understand all the ins and outs. You don't need to. I mean, really, you don't need to. There's some things I don't need to know. All I know is God's, in, God's doing it. Praise God. Hallelujah. This whole thing, you know, even with uh, our brother uh, Scott Webb, you know, came here and he's stirring some things. And even, hallelujah, uh, you know, Pastor Frank cut her, cut her loose on Wednesday night too. Praise the Lord. Amen. Talking about, hey, yeah, come on. Talking about, you know, restoring, amen, signs and wonders, amen, and miracles. Hallelujah. Well, that's the way it should be. We should be hooking up with that, amen. And so when, 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 when the enemy tries to stir in there and come in there and try to somehow get you off on that, you have to just say, you know what? It doesn't matter how he's going to do it, how he's going to do that. I'm just going to hook up and stay connected. And the same thing happened, thinking about, facilities and all that kind of stuff. That's all it was. The enemy comes in, gets you somehow convinced of something, and pretty soon before you know it, you've disengaged your faith, not even knowing it. Some people say, well, I just don't want to get let down. Now, that's a, that's a deceptive thought. Get your hopes. I don't want to get my hopes. No, the Bible says get your hope. You're supposed to abound in hope. Amen. Well, what if, what if, no, 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 put that down and say, you know what? I, I squish what if. <laughs> like a bug on the sidewalk. <laughs> no what ifs here. Amen. It doesn't, I don't know how he's going to do it. All I know is he's going to do it. Amen. And I'll lead, I'll, I'll follow whatever He leads. You direct me, guide me, show me. Amen. That's fine. I'll do whatever you ask. Praise God. Amen. 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 Did you get something today? Yeah. Come on, give the Lord praise. Come on. Why don't you all stand up? Let me pray over you. Appreciate you letting me at least, uh, you know, get that far with this today. And <clears throat> Hallelujah. Nothing's impossible. Hallelujah. God is? Good. Devil? Devil, God, all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. Father, I give you praise for a revelation in each and every one of us that you are good all the time, that nothing is impossible with you. And I thank you for the simplicity of that very truth. We stand in agreement right now, hallelujah, standing and opposing any demonic 
assignment, demonic assault, demonic deception that would come in there to try to corrupt any of that. We thank you right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All things are possible. We thank you for it. So we receive our breakthroughs. We receive our answers. We receive clarity. We receive the peace, the joy, whatever it is that we're believing for. Hallelujah. That debt gone or whatever it is that we're, that health issue, hallelujah, gone in Jesus. We receive it. And we give you praise for it. You're the deliverer. You're the healer. You're the provider. You're the master of breakthroughs. You, sir, hallelujah, are our source. Hallelujah. Our sustenance. Our food. Hallelujah. And we, we, we draw from you, sir. Hallelujah. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Look to your neighbor, praise God, and say, God is good. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you, praising God.